This is Josh Mills. And this is John Mills. Welcome back to another episode of Acquired Tastings. We are very happy to have you guys along with us for another episode. And Dad is back for just oh, a little bit. Oh, yeah. Before he starts gallivanting off around again. Oh, come on. <laughs> if you were retired, you'd do it too. Well, yeah, I probably would. But, so, Dad's back for a wine week. So, Dad, what are we going to be doing this week? Oh, this week we are doing German wines. Have we done German wines before? I believe so. I think we might have. Yes, we have. You did a Pinot Noir last time, I remember. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. So, I've I've got a uh, Pinot Meunier, which basically is a Pinot Noir. No, it is not. Well, it's it a, is not. It's a red. Okay. It is a red. You have found like the two bottles of German red wines that we have in the state of Arkansas. Yeah. Okay. But you're doing a Pinot Meunier. Mm-hmm. Well, what vintage is it? Uh, 2018, I think. All right. Dad's doing a Pinot Meunier from Darting out in Faults. Yeah. It's and, 2018, is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I'm doing the 2018. Thomas Schmidt Riesling uh, from their estate bottled collection. And this is a spot lace level. And we'll talk about what all that means as we go through the episode. And Dad, what are your snacks that you're having, your pairings well, this week? I have Wiener Schnitzel and I have German Rudelotten. And these are both comfort food. And so mm. on the side of the Wiener Schnitzel, there's potato salad. It's not exactly a German potato salad, but it'll pass in the state of Arkansas. And then on the side of the root and mutton, I put some red cabbage in the sauce while I was cooking it. So it's not red, but it's definitely red cabbage. Was it pickled red cabbage? Yeah, unfortunately. I just can't <laughs> find red cabbage. Or I could. It can it can be hard to find. Oh, that'd be sound good. Well, with mine I have a kind of an Asian style barbecue sous vide pork belly. I have some I think it's jalapeno cheddar wild boar sausage and then i have some palmiers with some strawberries Ooh, sounds good yeah it's really gonna be real good so dad uh, i know you've been out the couple last weeks what'd you think of the episodes you know uh you and jordan did a great job on the high end the brandon blanton's 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 and the caribou now she brought me, and she said on, on the podcast how she likes to bring people some whiskey. Or if they're in your house, you get maybe some whiskey. So I had the caribou before, and I've had Blanton's before. And yes, you guys nailed it as far as how different they are. It was really fun to do that side-by-side side there at the end to really kind of talk about Canadian whiskey versus American whiskey. Well, I think what we're going to need to do is do a low in bourbon maybe not a side by side yeah i'm not sure exactly how low we'd go i don't think we're going to old crow well <laughs> i understand where you're going though yeah. but yeah it would be kind of just a normal bottle pool kind of thing well everybody knows jack you know jack and coke i mean jack, jack is would have to be on the table yeah but jack's not bourbon no <laughs> jack is it tennessee sneak, whiskey it might just sneak in there anyway okay um well, so speaking of that, I know you have the blind from last week. I was going through through it, and I landed that it was a bourbon. You did. I didn't, and I couldn't tell you where from, but Dad, what was it? I'm surprised you didn't get this, because you're always saying how much you love rye. 
No. So it was a rye whiskey? It was a rye whiskey. It was the wild rye distilling out of Montana. Okay. It was really sweet, and that was kind of throwing right. me off. There was right. a lot of feeling of that sweetness, and I didn't really get as much of the spiciness that I would from a rye. Well, what I was thinking, because you kept, at the very start, you talked about maraschino cherry. So I thought it was maybe um, cognac or something like that that had some cherry flavor. Oh, uh, Okay. Yeah, but, but you didn't stay there very long. That's how you started, and then you started getting the other notes. Yeah, it was, and it was really good. It was really good. So, all right, well, let's go ahead and get into our wines this week. Once again, we're doing German wines, and we're going to start with mine. Uh, mine is the Tom- hey, ding, 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 ding. What? What? You know what? What happened? While in between... The episode that you and Jordan did, and this episode, we have 10,037 down. Oh, wow. So we finally reached over the 10,000 mark. So we 10,000 10, mark a few days ago. And then you mentioned on that podcast about six continents. Yep. Now, if you're listening to this, or if you have listened, and you know somebody that has gone and will be going to the seventh continent which is antarctica which is antarctica <laughs> now i know somebody that listens who has been to antarctica yeah but i think she went before we went we before. started well but doesn't that count <laughs> no because she didn't listen to it she didn't download it in you, have, antarctica. you have to go and listen to it now the other thing that uh, i noticed is we have 25 different countries oh wow and if you remember, early on, there was somebody from Lithuania yep. that sent notes to you. Yeah, I believe he's listened to every episode. Well, I th- you know, and the, I haven't quite figured this out because when Marie was in Washington State, we never saw a download from Washington State. So there's ways to listen without officially doing a download. Right, but it's really exciting that you guys are out there sharing us with your friends. People are finding us, so that's all because of what you guys are doing, how you promote us and what we're doing, and we're really happy that you guys have been doing that. So thank you for the ten, the over 10,000 downloads, and we'll just uh, we'll keep racking those up as we go. Well, and 13 downloads in Russia. I'm not going to go through the whole list, but eight downloads in India, eight downloads in Brazil, um, in Australia, 104. I know we we're like I said it's it people are people are starting to share us and it's exciting to see what's what's happening and checking that map. I hadn't seen this before. Uh, three in South Africa. Well, I think that was our seven continent traveler. Yeah, could have been, <laughs> could have been. So, uh, thank you to everyone that listens and tell your friends and like I said, if you know somebody or if you're going to Antarctica. Be sure and download, and then we'll get the seventh continent. Yeah. And, you know, like Jordan said, the penguins can't listen. No, they can't. I mean, they can hear us. I don't know if they can understand. But I am ready to drink some wine. How about you? I'm ready. Yeah. All right. So, once again, I have the Thomas Schmidt Estate Bottled Riesling. Uh, This is at a spot Lisa level. It is a 2018. My pairings are a, it's called Charchoux. 
pork belly. I've kind of done it before. This time I sous, I've sous vide it and then kind of seared it off. And then we have a cheddar and I believe jalapeno wild boar sausage and some palmiers with some strawberries. So German, a little bit about kind of the German winemaking process as dad, you can kind of go ahead and start. Is there an order? I'm going to ask that question every time. Food? No, there's not really an order. I mean, you can leave the strawberries for last or you can eat them first. I probably will. Doesn't yeah. really, doesn't really matter to me. Um, winemaking in Germany has been happening for yeah. for an extremely long time. It dates back to the Roman times, about 2,000 years ago, when they were coming through and the Romans, you know, continued some of the viticulture from the Greeks and the Etruscans and kind of introduced it in the area because as we've as we talked about in in wine history before part of the payment for roman soldiers was an amount of wine mm, so yeah. they as the empire expanded they had to learn they had to make it all the way through in the 8th century charlemagne was the one who started to regulate german wine mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and of course you know we know that it's it, it moved kind of from the Romans into the Catholic Church as being the, a lot of the makers of the wine. So these, a lot of the history, there's a lot of history in Germany when it comes to wine. I was watching a documentary and there's like a bill of sale of wine, an original bill of sale of wine that's from before Columbus, uh, you know, left Spain and started for the New World. Okay. So there, there, are, there are records dating back that far when it comes to German wines. Now, you know, as, you know, things change, it moved into more families. Phylloxera came through just like it did in most of Europe and devastated much of the viticulture. And a really interesting thing about winemaking in Germany is it's always, it usually follows a river. They're usually on the banks of rivers and they're very, very steep. If you want to see some really extreme vineyard oh, okay. slopes, definitely check out the ones in Germany because they're almost, some vineyards are almost on a sheer cliff face. Like when they harvest them, they're like hooked in, they're like hooked into climbing gear oh, Okay, where they have to go. And that, and that's because of the soil that's there. They have this, what's called this blue shale soil, okay. which makes really beautiful Rieslings and what gives Riesling some of it Riesling some of its characteristic. Now, did any of the cross crew go to Germany? I don't. Be- I don't believe they've been to Germany on their trip. I do know um, Maggie and Seth have been have both been to Germany. Okay, they did a trip to Germany once and had a wonderful time at a bunch of these different. At a bunch, I think they did Alsace and Germany because. So Alsace and Germany, the main wine region of Germany is just across the river, just basically across the border Mm -hmm. from France and the Alsatian Riesling, so or Alsatian region. That's why you'll find a lot of similar grapes grown through there. And as we've, you know, traditionally German wines were kind of on the kind of on the cusp of where you could grow grapes just because of the weather and everything. But due to climate change. They've been able to continue, but not also that, but start to add red varieties, which would have never been able to grow there beforehand, like your Pinot Meunier. Okay. Now, would you classify this wine as a sweet Riesling? Okay. So, it is a 
it's considered off dry. Okay. Okay. So when it comes to German wine labels, there's a lot of words that you kind of need to know, especially when it comes to Riesling. So they have these different, what are called Pradikat categories. And the Pradikats have to deal with the must weight of the wine when it's harvested. Because German wine, it does get so colder. It used to get, you know, more extreme there. They have a lot of different levels of wine. So Cabinet, K-A-B-I-N-E-T-T, is a kind of the first pull of the wine, of Mm -hmm. the grapes. Of the grapes. Mm -hmm. They are at, when it's pulled, they have a must weight. So a must is the is the actual juice to sugar content of the of the grapes itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's so for those of you who need that that term. So that has to do with the sugar content, the sugar content of the actual grapes itself. So cabinet's going to be the lowest level of sugar. After that, they will choose to leave some select wines on the vines for a little bit longer. These are the spot lace ones, spot lace. Which this is, right? Yeah, this is a spot lace. So it kind of stands for ones that are a little bit um, better. They're harvested a little bit later. So there's, there can be some more sugar in it, but there's also just more flavor. It's not really considered a sweet wine. Yeah. A lot of times these can be still um, fermented dry, which means the, the yeast will get all the sugar out of it, so there's no really leftover or residual sugar in the wine. So I get, I get all that, but you know my problem is my palate says there's some sweetness, right? And especially the, with the sous vide meat, you said the sous vide was pork belly. Yeah. So that pork belly has a lot of fat to it, so there's all that acid. And then this wine has its own acid. But my palate says I'm getting some sweet on acid and the meat instead of sweet on sweet. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's very, you know, it's, you know, it could be very surprising to have this wine with that meat. Uh-huh. So looking, so this wine has between 40 and 60% or 40 and 60 grams per liter of residual sugar. Okay. So that's why it's considered off dry. Okay. It is, it does have residual sugar. And, um, so that allows, that's why you're tasting it. Mm -hmm. That's why it does taste sweet. It's not dry, Mm -hmm. but it's not sweet. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, I almost, there were a couple levels that I'm about to talk about in the Predicate level that I almost bought, mm-hmm. but I think we're gonna. I think we need to save some of those and do a sweet wine episode because they're a completely different animal. So, like the next, the next level is what's called Auschlese. So you have Cabinet, which is dry, Spotlese, which is select ones to stay on longer, and then you have Auschlese. Auschlese are fully ripe. There is not a single unripe berry there. They a lot of times they'll handpick these, and this is where you can start to get some more higher levels of sweetness. 
in there. They're not allowed to, or sometimes the sugar can be too high mm-hmm. that they're unable to to you to to have the yeast use all the sugar before right. it just kind of dies off. And they are a little bit more sweet usually, especially the ones that we get here in the United States. But you'll have a lot more intense flavor than you would in the spot lace. After that is Baranas Lesa, which are overripe berries. Sometimes they have, they've been betriotized like a sauterne. They'll have that extra kind of sweetness to it. And it's just a completely different ballgame. After Baranas Lesa, we have ice vine, mm. which, are, which is ice wine, mm-hmm. where the grapes are actually left on and they are frozen like they're left on the vine until they freeze. Right. And then they're actually pressed frozen. Mm-hmm. And what that does is it cr- it creates so much sweetness because now you have all that all that water has been frozen and it doesn't press out as the juice. So all that's really left is that sugary sweet flavor of the grapes. And it's just it, it's a whole different ball game. So if I pick up a Riesling, a bottle, yes, and I start looking at the label, and I want a sweet Riesling, so what am I looking for? One of the things I'm looking for is ice wine. Yes, but ice well, wine. I don't know that that's on the label. Yes, it will. If it's an ice vine, it'll be on the label. Okay. Yeah. And so if you're looking for these Pratikot levels, you want to go Auschlesa. Or, or Berenauslesa ice wine, or even a Trocken Berenauslesa. But most people who are going for sweet wine may just pick up sweet Rieslings. A lot of times on the back of Riesling bottle, especially German Rieslings, there'll be like a scale where it oh, kind of talks okay, about if yeah, it's yeah. dry, semi-dry, right. or medium sweet or sweet. This one is labeled as on the sweeter side. It's kind of at the beginning of the sweet level. I would consider this off dry personally, mm-hmm. but this would be something you that would be probably a stretch for a sweet wine drinker. Correct. Somebody who drinks like Stella Rosa, Moscato's, those sorts of actual sweet wines. This is going to be a little bit different. Yeah. And then after ice wine is Trockenbaren Auslesa, which is the top of the pyramid. It's really hard to find it's usually very expensive on the half bottle and it is the betriotized wines that are left even longer okay because the because the t- conditions are just absolutely perfect i've had a trocken bear now slice once um and it wasn't even german okay. and it was a completely different experience than anything anything that i can find that I've found in other wines, even when it comes to, you know, Tokais or um, Salterns. It's just. So what was just price point on it? You're saying they're pretty pricey. $60 on a half bottle. Half bottle. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Most of the time, Baranas Lesa, Ice Vines, and Trocken Baranas Laces are only going to be, are only going to be in half bottles. Okay. Like last night, I was looking at a Baranas Lisa that was $25 on the half bottle, and the ice vine was $45. Gosh. So it does, 
it is worth it if you want to get into these high-level sweet wines to start looking for those things. Mm-hmm. And they are to be served cold. Right. Cold, cold, cold. So, um, I've been chatting a lot. Well, I've been over here snacking, and the the cheese uh, sausage. Yes. So, it doesn't have that sweetness that the, the meat did, the pork belly, sous vide pork belly. But, yeah. With the wine, because there's that cheese in there, and that cheese is, I guess, like a cheddar, you know, just a regular old cheese cheddar, which is a sweet kind of cheese, kind of getting that sweet on sweet. Okay. Even Even though the meat is there, but that meat doesn't have the acidity fat that this sous vide meat does. So it's completely different, but still, they're both still very good. Right. Well, and the reason why I kind of did the sausage was I thought it had a little bit more bite to it. Uh, Spicy bite. Because sugar and spice go really well together. Oh, yeah. If you are having Thai food, spicy Thai food, pull a semi-sweet Riesling or an off-dry Riesling like this, it will, it's going to change how you, how you perceive white wine. Yeah. Because that sweetness balances so well with the, against that spice that it would just Correct. be uh, amazing. Now, what are you tasting in the wine itself? Okay. So I think get like maybe green apple, honeysuckle, you know, those, those sweet, you know, this the sweet vine, green apple, tree fruit is sweet, though acidic. I'm not getting any kind of pepper or any kind of spices like that. It's just it's just some nice, you know, honeysuckle, green apple, what else maybe. Uh, but, no, you know, no cinnamon, no pepper, none of that kind of thing. Well, I would hope not, because there's no barrel aging to this. Or if there is, it's just neutral barrel. Mm-hmm. So, it's, it's uh, what about it, non? Was it in steel? Uh, it doesn't. Or concrete? It, it doesn't say. Okay. What? So. What besides the fruit? Are you tasting or smelling anything else besides fruit there? Hmm. You know, maybe you know, maybe some honey. You know, like a, a clover, nice clover honey. Do you get any petroleum? Oh. <laughs> Do you smell any petroleum or I'm rubber? So. I'm afraid so. Okay, well, that's you're supposed to. Like, I'm, that I is know. a... I, I was trying to ignore that. You, is, why? Well, why that's, why that's, would you ignore well, a, a common standard smell I don't in want a our, well-made I don't want wine. our listeners to go, are you kidding me? I'm not going to buy that one. Petroleum? Asphalt? Rubber? But it's there. Yeah, it's there. It's there, and it's a marker for German-style Riesling. Right. And it, it's because of the soil and what's there in the wine. So okay. what did you say the soil was again? Blue slate. Blue slate. Okay. Yep, it's very specific. It's blue It's blue slate or blue sh- uh, shale. Blue shale, sorry. Uh-huh. Not slate, blue shale. And some of that is where you're getting some of those petroleum smells or like rubber, almost kind of rubbery smells 
And every time I smell that in a wine, I'm very sure so that it's, it's going to be coming from so Germany. So it's a wine tasting mark. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, it's standard. If you smell that in a German wine, especially a German Riesling, it's not bad. Well, and that's I'm the saying thing. if you're doing a blind tasting, if you smell that. Right. But if you don't know that it's there and you're going to bottle put at your table and you smell that, you may think it's a fault. Mm-hmm. But it's not. It's actually what's supposed to be there. With the sweeter levels, it's not going to be as prevalent. With, on more the dry, on the drier styles, it's very prevalent. Okay. It's kind of your main thing. But with yeah, this one. This is in the, it's in the background. This one, it's there, but you still have that like raw honeycomb sweetness, right. ha- jasmine, honeysuckle, kind of like you're talking about. And then there's some tropical fruits in there. Oh, yeah. Kind of as well. And when we're t- when you taste this wine, you get that coating level of s- kind of that light coating of sweetness. You get the some of those same fruits that you were talking about. The thing that I really find fascinating about this is it has, you know, 40 to 60 grams per liter, which is a lot of residual sugar. Yeah. But there is still acid there to hold the wine together. Well, it's a, you know, on the palate, it's a very coating wine. Yeah. And yeah, that's. It just, it fills your mouth with the wine and coats it. Mm-hmm. And then when you eat fatty food, I think the fatty food kind of breaks down that coating so that you get the fatty food taste. Doesn't make the wine disappear, but it, it makes your mouth not as coated. It complements it. Exactly. It complements exactly. because this these levels of fattiness, which we're talking about, you know, pork belly and sausage, have a good amount of fat to them. And that's why the fat works well with this Riesling. Right. Okay. So there's another word on a wine label. It's actually on your wine label that has to do with the dryness level of a wine. And it's trochen. Trochen, mm-hmm. yeah. Trochen, if you see cabinet trochen, spotlessa trochen, that means that it's been dry. It's been fermented dry. Okay. So you, a lot of times if you don't see trochen, trochen or trochen, however it's actually pronounced in German, that means that there's going to be some residual sugar on it, most, right. most likely. So that, so when you see that on your label of the wine, it's telling you that that's a dry wine. It's telling you that the wine has been fermented dry. Well, it'd be dry on the palate if it's, if it's been fermented, wouldn't it? Well, it depends on what you consider dry, okay? Because you have, you have dry... Well, there's all levels, yeah. Right, but you have a dry like a uh, Nebbiolo, like a Barolo, mm-hmm. dry. Mm-hmm. But then you have a dry like a Sauvignon Blanc dry. Right. They're different styles of dry. So in a white wine, it's going to most likely mean that it's more acidic. Mm -hmm. You're going to feel that acidity. It's going to be a lot higher. It's going to be more prevalent. In a red wine, it'll most likely mean that the tannins will be. It could mean that the tannins are more prevalent. Yeah, that's where I was going. But you don't really get any tannins with with this wine, the Riesling. No, because there are no skins. There's no... There's no skins, there's no stems, there's no, I believe, I would, I would highly, I'd be very surprised if there 
even neutrally bearing this. I'm sure it's stainless steel all the way. Yeah. So it doesn't, and that's why I like I kind of pushed against that fact of dry because just because you have an idea of what dry is in your head doesn't mean that that's going to happen in a trochan line. Okay. Because it it really just means that there's no residual sugar left over. All right, I'm gonna have to try the strawberry because we talked about all the sweetness. Yeah, and so these palmiers, so if, you, if you're if you unfamiliar with a palmier, a palmier is also known as an elephant ear. Um, it is a puff pastry dessert kind of cookie, and it's made where you have puff pastry, you have a bunch of sugar, kind of roll them together, cut them, and they end up looking like two elephant ears put together, mm-hmm. or a heart. Mm-hmm. I think these are going to go really well because they're not as sweet the elephant ears or the palm ears are not as sweet as I was expecting. Like they're not as sweet as the one mom's mom makes. Mom puts a lot of sugar. I know, but she she uses half of what the recipe says. I know. Um, but these aren't as sweet. And then the strawberries being a little bit later mm-hmm. in the season, I went ahead and uh, I macerated a little, macerated them a little bit. Okay. So I think this because the sweetness is not overt right. here. The wine is going to bring that. I think the wine is going to bring that sweetness to this this dessert. So I think it's pretty even. I just tasted it and tasted it with the wine. So the wine is not. You're using this word overt. It's not an overt to be sweet wine like the ice wine would be, but it's sweet enough to to complement mm-hmm. the sweetness of the strawberries and the pomeranians. Yeah, because the pomier is not in that classification of the ice wine sweet. Now, if we had an ice wine and we ate the pomier, I think the wine would just take over. Oh, yeah, yeah, it would. It knock you know, it knock the sweetness of the strawberry and the pomier out of the park, out of your mouth. You wouldn't even know they were there. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is not a bad thing, but I like the. Because this is that this is definitely a like on like, yeah. Well, the great thing about these reasons, so this is a 2018, so it's four years old. Mm-hmm. It's got a little bit of age on it. German Rieslings can age for a long time, okay. especially some of the higher end ones, which are kind of more at the the qualitas at a kind of at a particular level. Especially ones that are prodicate or have the Pradicat designations to them. So I think they can they can last for a long time. Like I've had a nineteen I've had a nineteen nineties Riesling and it was phenomenal. Uh, I have friends that when they went to Taylor's for the hundred day dry aged steak, they said one of the best pairings was a nineteen eighties Riesling. Mm. I think it was nineteen eighties spot lacer Riesling with the fat from the ribeye. Really? Yeah. Because it's that same kind of aged sweetness that kind of goes well together. And then they still have the acidity. I'm so surprised at the acidity of this wine. It still is there. Mm-hmm. It still is prevalent. And I think that's one of the reasons that it is able to hold up so well to a lot of these, a lot of the foods that we're having. And that at the acidity level is one of the reasons that they are able to be aged for so long. Oh, okay. 
But it's standing up to that pork belly, you know. And pork belly's got a lot of fat. It always does. And then you sous vide it, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Best on plate, I, I think I got it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got it. So, Thomas, a little bit about, you know, Thomas Schmidt or Schmidt, Schmidt Schoen wines. Uh, they've been around since the early 1900s. And they are actually a fourth generation. Or was it fourth or fifth? I think they're now on like their fifth generation of winemakers. Yeah, the fifth the fifth generation of the winemaker just took over in in 2020, and she is, you know, interesting that she she took over right during the uh, kind of right around the pandemic. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Another interesting thing about German wines is there's a lot of female influence in the German wine. That's surprising. In the German viticulture. Yeah, that's very surprising to me. And they're also fam- they're also very family oriented. Okay. They, you know, I was looking at another one that was like fourth generation family family making the wines, which is really cool that they have the history of there and they want to they want to be there for the long haul and have been there for the long haul. Okay. Well, anything else? This strawberry, this goes really... <laughs> like I said, it's a like-on-like, you know, it's kind of sweet-on-sweet. It, it would be a perfect... So this Riesling can be, what we're finding out is this Riesling can be a dessert wine. Because these strawberries would be dessert. As long as it's not too sweet. As long as it's not too sweet. So, with that said, I think if we had a cake that had a tremendous amount of sugar icing this wine would be overwhelmed with it mm-hmm. but what we're finding out is that it stands all the way through the meal because we had the pork belly we had the sausage with the cheese I think if even if we ate some of what my plate has on it it stand up to that too so it's it's really a good one yep anything else did you say there was a graft on the back? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bought Rieslings before that didn't have that. In fact, when I bought my wine, I bought a Riesling, and it didn't have that little graft on the back. Yeah, it's not. And it, it turned out to be sweeter than this. Well, it's not. It's not a standard. It's not, it's a, not a standard. So what right. happened is back, you know, in the in the Riesling era of Blue Nun and, and those sorts of wines, you know, they... They did that for the American market so that mm-hmm. they could kind of figure out where the wines were. Right. Because that was before wine education was really a big thing. And they wanted to make it easier for the consumer to know what they were getting. So they added that to the back label of American wines. Well, I think maybe too is that, you know, Blue Nun and the, that era of sweet wines, everybody's drinking sweet wine. That's all they wanted. So they didn't need a chart because that's all that was coming out. And now people's palate changing where a lot of people are wanting the dry, you know, less sweet. Right. But the standard wine that was made in Germany was dry. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't the sweet phenomenon. Well, we weren't buying German wine. So. Well, so when they, yeah. Yeah. But when they started putting them out here, more people started, once the Riesling craze kind of hit, you know, they wanted people to be able to see that, hey, this wine is sweet. You can buy it, and you're probably going to like it. Mm-hmm. 
Well, anything else about my wine before we switch over? Oh, I think we can switch over. All right. So, Dad, why don't you remind us what your wine is and uh, what your pairings are? Okay. It's a Pinot Meunier. We'll talk about that here in a minute. I, I said Pinot Noir earlier, but I'll explain why I said that. And it's uh, 13.5% ABV. Price point's like 22. Then you get it on uh, Wine Wednesday and get 20% off. My sides, Vienna Sissel with potato salad. And this German Rudladen with the red cabbage. So what I wanted to do is I wanted, you know, I don't think Germany has any Merlots or calves, do no, they? No, it's too cold. Yeah. So I wanted something that would go with some meat. And so this. Which you have just learned. Yeah. Riesling can go with meat. I, well, I think I knew that, but I suspected you would pick a Riesling. Because, you know, but this Meunier can be, uh, you know, when you think of when the consumer or you think of a champagne, you think of Chardonnay or you think of Pinot Noir. So when I got this, I thought Pinot Noir, because I didn't know what Meunier meant, but technically, it's not a Pinot Noir, like you said earlier. It is a complex red wine. Because I'm getting, you know, there's strawberry notes, there's cherries, there's a little bit of, you know, a little bit of that earth and that pepper. Are you getting some of that? I haven't even sniffed it yet. Um, and what you said about the label does indicate that it's dry because it I haven't tasted it yet but I've I've nosed it I'm sure it's going to turn out to be dry and it's going to have some tannin yeah so well it's funny that you mentioned champagne Mm -hmm. because there are three grapes of champagne there is Chardonnay there is Pinot Noir and the third is Pinot Meunier yeah okay it is the actual it's the third it's the third grape of champagne. That's it's the third one that's legally allowed to be in champagnes. Pinot Meunier champagnes are actually my favorite favorite style of champagnes that are out there. Whether it's anyway, I'm not going to go down the champagne route because we're talking about German wine. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting that they're growing Pinot Meunier. So on the label, it says darting. The darting area, false. Is that how you pronounce it? False. False. P F A L Z. False. Yeah, I'm looking false. right at it, but I don't. I, I, I'm <laughs> telling our listeners who aren't looking right at it. It's false. False. Germany mm-hmm. has a real history of grape growing, not as far back as yours, but like 1780, somewhere in there. Uh, but it was not until. 1989 that they began to sell their their grapes as wine under that label. Now, I don't understand really what that means. Uh, but the family maintains a highly regarded vine nursery. So they're selling 
some of their grafted vines. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So yesterday, and this is a fun fact, yesterday we went and saw uh, some people and uh, in their condo, and they have a relationship, let's say a relative, not a relationship, a relative who has a winery in New Jersey. Yeah. I don't know what the grapes are. They go and get vines from France. Yeah. So, you know, the vine market must be huge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Because, I mean, the American rootstock is, you know, what's everything's, what everything is grafted to. But you have to grow. I mean, a lot of times you're wanting to pull a vine that you're grafting from the air, from the region in which you are. Exactly. That it's um, traditionally from, or a, a clone of where it's from. So, did you nose it yet? Uh, yeah. Do you get some of that strawberry or? Yes, very much so. It's definitely it's definitely red fruit driven. You get a lot of strawberry. You get some kind of earthy. Definitely get some earthy quality to it. Also, a lot so, of like cherry to it. Yeah, that's what I'm I'm getting as well. I'm getting maybe a little pepper. Yeah, but if it's not really the, not so much on the nose as I do on the mouth. Yeah, it's much more. It's much more like on the style of like white pepper than exactly than spicy black pepper. Exactly. So this uh, Pinot Meunier area, uh, there's like five thousand eight hundred acres, which is only like five five percent of the total acreage of Germany. So it's not a real big grape. No, because it it but it takes a warmer climate exactly to get there, and it's just not really it's not sought after. Most the only time I've ever really seen Pinot Meunier outside of Champagne is usually in a place that where they're doing sparkling wine. Okay. Sometimes they'll put it in kind of by itself, but I've rarely seen a still. Um, Pinot Meunier like this. Okay. So it's uh, fermented on the skins. That's how we're getting the color. In the stainless steel. And then transferred to those large oak casks. So it has some oak usage. I'm not getting a lot of vanilla or anything like that. That's American oak. But there are some of those like lighter baking spices, which is that's right more of the style of French oak, which yeah. is most likely what's going to be used. Most likely what's used in Germany now. Faults is actually so we talked about the major wine region of Germany up being up near the French, uh, kind of the Alsatian border of France. Faults is actually on. Is actually in the southern part of the country, right? Which is actually more near the the Rhine Valley, the uh, the Rhine Valley, right? So it's kind of down there, kind of in that same, kind of in that same area a little bit, but it's a little bit farther south in the kind of in the area. It's more close to Frankfurt, mm-hmm. 
kind of outside of Frankfurt area. It's a love, you know, it's a lovely color. It's a lovely wine. It's got, uh, you know, it's it's got a little, you know, if you have a big cab and you've got all those huge tannins, it just sometimes you get so much fur on your teeth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that it's that it's hard to to drink the wine and have the food. Oh yeah, definitely. Now this 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 wine has it does have some tannins on it. Yeah, it has, but it's very. While this is not Pinot Noir, mm-hmm. it's very akin to Pinot Noir. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of a lot of American styles of Pinot Noir. A little bit more body, a little bit wider, kind of just a little bit broader shoulders. Not as finessed as we find like high-end American Pinot Noirs or, you know, Burgundies. It's got well, a little bit which more means, Which means it has less of that earthy profile or less of that leather cigar that you sometimes get from a Willamette Pinot Noir. Yeah, but it still has some of those qualities. Oh, yeah. It definitely has the qualities of earth and some of that backbone of of the wine where you have a lot of that... um, kind of barney earthy dusty but it's very rough around the edges kind of feel it's not as i keep using the word finesse but it's not as soft comes at you a little bit stronger than the other one mm-hmm. you tried it with a bean or schnitzel i haven't i've just been drinking it because it's good well, i've been kind of going i've been kind of going through it because i haven't i've never had one of these before I had neither. So I, I'm going to, don't worry, I'm going to get into the food. I, w- I will get there, but it is so for those it's that a don't fascinating know, wine to me. German, Wiener Schnitzel is either pork or veal. This is pork. And really what you do is you get either boneless or you cut it off the bone. And then you take your meat hammer and hammer it down to maybe a quarter of an inch or so. And then you put it through the dredge of flour, egg with a little lemon, and then your your breadcrumb. And put it in that 350-degree grease. <laughs> and cook it for about three minutes side. It comes out just lovely. Now, as far as... My palate, the breadcrumbs and the pork go very well with this wine, or say it the other way. The wine goes very well with the food. And the potato salad, that's just kind of a throw-in. But potatoes and Wiener schnitzel, kind of a standard. My understanding of Germany, I've never been to Germany. And then the Rudladen, this is a brand new test on my <laughs> on my plate. So Rudladen is again another comfort food. So it's a it's a slice of beef that maybe is the hindquarters that roast, and you slice it like a quarter of an inch, and then you spread this mustard on it, you put some bacon there. 
you put pickle, you pick onion, um, I said bacon, so you want that bacon and that mustard on first, and then you roll it up and tie it, and then you, you like braise it for however long to get it good and brown, and then you put it in the oven for 350 for about an hour or more. This was more. This was about an um, uh, hour and 15. And then the, you know, the red cabbage, that's another standard. Yeah, so I'm in love with this wine. Like, <laughs> I, re- I really, really like this wine. I will probably go buy a bunch of it myself. Because it is everything I enjoy about a Pinot Noir and everything I enjoy about, like, Nebbiolo or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, like Merlot. It's like everything I like about those three wine grapes all shoved into one glass. Mm-hmm. As as I'm eating this, like I have, I had the Wiener Schnitzel with it. The Wiener Schnitzel is great. It's, you know, it's nicely fried pork. I think it would be really good if it had some like extra gravy or like I, I'm not a big potato salad fan, but I can see where the creaminess, the potato and all that would go well. But it goes really well with the wine. And the reason I, I say those like three wines is because every time I'm like, I've had the, I've had the beef and I've had this and, I, and I've had the wine each time. It tastes like one of those other grapes. So for me, when I eat the Wiener Schnitzel and then have the wine. Imagine made in heaven. A lot of that, a lot of the earthiness goes away mm-hmm. and I'm left with the bright, fresh cherry, strawberry, raspberry flavors it's really super fresh fruity wonderful together with the beef it kind of enhances it the the tannin structure the the little bit of the the more of the earthy earthy flavors and leaves more of a kind of a richer fruit characteristic Mm -hmm. and like it's it's so cool because, like I said, I've never had a still Pinot Meunier before. Okay. That, to my memory, I may have mm-hmm. on a trip I that I, that I just don't remember. But this is fascinating to me, and it's really interesting. You know, I was I was trying to find it on their website, but their website doesn't translate to English, so I had to figure out all the German. <laughs> yeah. And Pinot Meunier, one so in Germany, on the German label, this is labeled Schwarz Riesling. Or Schwarz-Riesling. It looks like Schwartz and Riesling put together. Okay. And it is phenomenal. So if, if for the people who, for our listeners who live in Europe and most places probably not in the United States, you may see this with a label of Schwarz-Riesling. And it's trocken, so it still has that dryness. And this is what I was talking about, the dryness. Mm-hmm. Because... It's not, you're not getting any tendencies of any other wines, but you're not getting any residual sugar. You're not getting that sweetness. Like if we were going to compare it to an American wine, it's not like, um, oh shoot, what's the, uh, there's a really popular Pinot Noir in Oregon or California Pinot Noir that has like, oh, anyway. It's not like a Pinot Noir that has some of that extra residual sugar or mm-hmm. some Syrah in it. I don't know the one you're thinking of, but 
you know, if we went to Willamette and bought the Pinot Noir and did a side-by-side of this, you know, we might come out liking this one better. And that's kind of where you're at right at this minute. But I think what we'd find out, too, is we like this one better because of the price point. You know, this price point of 22 bucks. Yeah, I'm versus that, forty is what sometimes happens with the Pinot Noir and Willamette, or even Oregon. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't fa- and when I'm thinking through a wine like that, for me that doesn't factor in. Well, I, I'm it not factors in for a lot of people. It does, but there are also really good Willamette Valley ones that are around this price point. There's hard to they're hard to find, mm-hmm. or there's other Pinot Noirs that are. That are in this price range that are just a little bit more difficult to find. How did you like the beef? You liked it? I did like it. It reminded me of um, corned beef. Yeah. Some of the flavors that were in there. Now, I didn't get any of the pickle because it's not my thing. But there are some of those reminiscent flavors of corned beef, which made me think that this would be a great St. Patty's Day wine. Oh, that's right. Because it, it goes be. it goes well with a lot of those same kind of flavors yeah, that you're finding be. that you're finding in this beef dish. Mm-hmm. No, I'm, I'm enjoying it too. That's the first time I've had it. And to know that you know, seventeen eighty in the scheme of Germany and places like that, that's like yesterday. <laughs> that's not that old. Yeah. And especially to say 1989, we've been, you know, selling our vines, our cuttings. Right. <laughs> That's like five I minutes mean, ago. They've been making wine since it was the Holy Roman Empire. Exactly. In Prussia. So if we ever go to Germany, I'll have to, I'll have to go to France. Faults. Faults. Not France. So I get this P mixed Faults. Yeah, false. Because I, I think that'd be fun. It looks like beautiful landscape. Yeah, I mean German German wine country is very is extremely picturesque. I mean, you have the Rhine and the Rhine Hessen rivers that are and the Mosel rivers which are running through there. I mean, you know, riverboat riverboat companies, you know, always go down will go down the Rhine and the mm-hmm. and the Mosel the Mosel rivers because they're they're gorgeous. There's so much history in the area and there's great wine. So it's definitely a, a definitely a to travel to region and it's definitely on my list of places to go. Do you have any more questions about this wine? Or the well, food? so tell me, tell me a little bit, kind of go through the wine and what you're tasting. Cause I, I've said a lot about what I've been tasting, but you, you taste different than I do. What are you tasting? No, I'm getting the strawberries and I'm getting that cherry and I'm getting a little bit of earth on the, you know, all those on the nose. But when I taste it, I get more of the pepper, the earth, less of the strawberry, and maybe more of, of the cherry. Not really not really raspberries or anything like that. <laughs> don't don't get that uh <laughs> fuel. <laughs> no, you don't get that. But there is an earthy quality. There's definitely an earthy quality, but it's it's just kind of, it's there, but it's soft. You know, if we had a Merlot, that 
there's different styles of Merlot where it could be just like this, but a lot of those Merlots, that pepper just hits you in the face. And sometimes you don't want that. Right. I think these, I don't know what you think, but I think my pairings are pretty darn good. Oh, yeah. They're, they work really, really well with this wine. They hold up. They hold up quite well. So they call it a light body wine. I'd have to agree with that. Yeah, it's it's definitely in the lighter styles. It's mm-hmm. not. It's very full flavored, but it's mm-hmm. not heavy. Mm-hmm. Like you could definitely drink this, you know, in the middle of summer in Arkansas, and you're not going to be overweighted with it. And so you, it's not a nouveau type Beaujolais, but it's like a Beaujolais. In what way? Well, it's just that that smoothness, the mouthfeel. It's not heavy. It doesn't have huge tannins. But this wine has more spice than a Beaujolais would. Okay. I mean, this could be a great, you know, maybe this will come back this year when we do our Thanksgiving podcast. It could be. Well, maybe we can try it again because... Well, if if we'd known about this wine last year when the Nouveau truck wrecked <laughs> and there wasn't any when there, nouveau when there was no nouveau we'd have pulled this out oh yeah definitely and i, I mean i i like this more than i like nouveau yeah i think nouveau definitely has a time and place for it it's fun well, that's that's my point about nouveau it's like oh man it's thanksgiving nouveau just came out yesterday let's go get some yeah and the other thing to remember is that this is a four-year-old wine you know this is in 2018 so what's it going to be like in, you know, 2025? So with a wine like this, it'll develop some. I don't know if this is a wine that I would hold on to for a long time. Because. Not, not like a cab, that's for sure. I mean, it's got, it's got the acidity to hold on to it. But I think the way it's going to develop, it's going to develop very differently than you would want it to. I think a lot of that fruit flavor is going to fall off rather than develop. Okay, right, right. So it's like what you're saying and what I'm hearing is is like a rosé. You want it fresh. And so you'd want this one fresher than 2025. Well, that's only three years away. So. It's only three years away, but still that that fruit... It's not really fruit forward, but that fruitiness of it could be gone. Yeah. So, or could be further in the background. It's sort of in the background right now. I think. I think that you know, twenty twenty five would probably be around the end of the drinking window for this wine. I think this four, this four to seven, you know, maybe four to eight year range is probably right. going to be its sweet spot. Right. After that, it could definitely, it could possibly fall off. But this is such a, this is such a surprising wine. Yeah. And the hard thing about wines like this for people like me who love them and our market is you could taste people on this wine. You could taste wine people. You could taste restaurant people on this wine. And they'll say, wow, that's really good, but I can't sell it. Possible. And I think it's it's one of those things like depending on the actual like wholesale, the wholesale price point, 
is it's not going to, it's going to have to be hand sold. Because if somebody who doesn't know is looking through a wine menu and sees Pinot Meunier, they're not going to know it. They're going to go after the things that they know for. So there's there's going to need to be a professional or I'm just going to call even servers, a professional there to say, hey, this wine's really good. I've tried it. It's going to, you know, you can taste it. It tastes like such and such. It tastes like this. And if the price point is in a range where it could be sold by the glass, Mm -hmm. then I could see it it be more easily being sold. But at a liquor store, like this was on the bottom shelf. I know, I know right where this one, it was on the bottom shelf of the German section of the second German section. Exactly. At colonial. Right. If you would not have pulled this wine, I probably would have never seen it. I didn't see it, and I had to ask for it. That's what happened. Oh, you asked for this specific wine in no, the store? No, I said, I don't see a red, German red. Help me out. The guy goes, oh, it's way down here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's why I didn't see it. But I would put this up to many wider-style red wines from the U.S. any day of the week. Very good. I would put this up against the Pinot Noirs that we got from, that you've poured from New Zealand. And I think it would, I think it would be better. Yeah, I agree with you. So it's a, it's a very good wine. It's just one of those, like for me as a, as a wine person who wants to move our market forward, Mm -hmm. I really hope that this is priced well so that Mm -hmm. a motivated wine rep could help. The restaurants. If the liquor stores don't sell enough of it, it'll be full. Right. That's the sad part. And that's the thing is that, that, you know, to me, when you move to move a wine market, at least the way ours is set up, you move the restaurants and the restaurants drive off from itself. Right. Anyway, so that's a whole minor minor tangent because I am, I love this wine. Mm -hmm. And I'm very excited that Skernick brought this in because Skernick does really good stuff. And that's another way, you know, we talked about looking at who imports it. And Skernick, when I see that Skernick label, I know it's going to be a good wine. All right. You ready for best on plate? Yep. Um, go for it. What you got? We'll start with my, let's start with my plate. So I'm going to have to go with that sous vide pork belly yeah. for, with your wine. Because, the, you know, like we said in, in the earlier part of the podcast, it's like the acidity of that pork belly and that perceived sweetness and sweetness of your Riesling. They they just stood up together and, you know, they were great. You know, the, the wine coated the my palate and the pork belly came in there with it and it was great. Hmm? Do yours. Oh, for mine? For my wine, I like the beef dish. Okay. So, it's a complex comfort food. I was surprised how to make it. You don't like pickles. You know, the funny thing about that dish is you take a big spear of a pickle, put it up at the top of it. You've already put pickles and onions and bacon all over it. And then you roll that big bad boy up here with. Well, I think that's why to me it it reminds me of corned beef. Because corned beef is a pickled beef. So there's that. Yeah. Pickly briny kind of flavor, but it didn't have it didn't have a whole lot of spices other than the mustard, right? 
get out of the mustard was a uh, ground mustard, and then I put some uh, German, um, like the spicy German mustard with it. So okay. for me, this wine and that that beef went great together. Of course, the other the others were really good pairings as well. Yeah. So I think besides the the pommier, everything that we put out today goes well with every with both wine because mm-hmm. i've tried i've tried it all and i think everything went well together so specifically with my plate i agree with you the that the pork belly was probably good i wish that that had more spice a lot of times when i make that it's spicier mm-hmm. and i think i just didn't use enough goju jang this time mm-hmm. but i agree that 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 pairing is so so good. Mm-hmm. Everything on that plate went well to me. But what I would go back to over and over again is probably the boar sausage and that wine. Okay, yeah. The boar pulled down some of that sweetness, and you kind of got a little bit more of the other flavors of the wine with it. Mm-hmm. So I that was to me was kind of my favorite uh, right. with with your wine. It's hard because they were both really good in very different ways. Yeah. But I think if I were to go for it again, I would probably do the Wiener Schnitzel. Okay. I I think to me, bringing out that extra fruity flavor to it and all those fruit flavors I really, really liked, I think were better. Right. I think it would be different if I had corned beef on the plate, though. I think if I had corned beef, we'll have to try it. Yeah, I think if I had corned beef, I'd probably like the I'd probably like it okay. more than the Wiener Schnitzel. Okay, because that beef has such a good flavor to it. It's not like you don't taste pickle, like an actual pickle. You don't have that flavor. To me, I didn't. I didn't get an actual piece of pickle with the meat. I'm just but talking. It's in there. It, I know it's, it's all in there. Through it. But I have. But what I was have is I have pieces of meat with just some of the like the mustard on it. Mm-hmm. And so, it it well, the way it developed the wine I think, was good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that's why I think corned beef would be lights out with this one. Okay, all right. So we're I think we're down to the point where you are going to blind me on right. a wine. So let's go ahead and get that poured up. All right. All right. So Dad's got me a wine poured up to taste. It is a red wine the it's kind of it is a deep a deep red wine kind of going out kind of going out to some uh, little magenta type hues at the edges no evidence of gas or sediment it is this wine smells purple <laughs> it is a deep is that rich, a high note or a low note purple, purple is more of a lower Purple is more of a lower note. Yeah, it definitely smells purple. There's some, like, meaty quality to it. Um, Can't quite tell if it's, like, raw or if it's, like, grilled meat, but there's definitely a meat quality to it. Definitely black fruit, cassis, plum. Yeah, really rich blackberry kind of flavors coming out of it. Some light earthiness to it. No real kind of green quality. 
It's yeah, the fruit on it is definitely like ripe, almost overripe. There, it's definitely, definitely a black fruit. Doesn't really feel super alcoholic just on the breath of it. Without without tasting it. Yeah, it's some nice earthy gravel graveliness to it. Alright, let's go ahead and give it a taste. Acids medium. Tannins are initially I would say medium plus. The alcohol is, seems fairly low. It is a little cool to kind of tell that, but let's give it another taste. Yeah. Tannins are still definitely medium plus. Ooh. Acid is probably medium plus too. I'm really making my mouth water. Alcohol is, you know, medium plus, so it's probably 13, 14 range. Maybe a little bit higher. Getting a lot of those same black fruit notes, blackberries, cassis, plum. It's a little bit greener on the palate. Getting a little bit of like, almost like some green bell pepper, but not like the spiciness, just kind of that greeny quality. Maybe that's considered the pyrazines. Still haven't quite figured that one out. Not quite as earthy on the palate as I got on the nose, but there's still still some definitely like dusty, stony qualities to it. This is a deep, deep one. Oh, there's definitely staining in that tear, so there's definitely quite a bit of extraction. So probably a thicker, yeah, 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 definitely a thicker skinned grape here with that color and the tears. Yeah, some desiccated violet, so really come some of that violet, almost purpuriness, but it's super light, very background at that point. Um, there's also some vegetal quality to this, some like light herbiness, almost cut grass kind of feeling. Let's go ahead and let's get a little bit more into this wine. So the fruit characteristics on this are really like fresh. They're not overripe. They're not really jammy. They're just kind of right there at a good ripe quality. Talked about the earthiness a little bit. There is some, yeah, there is some uh, definitely green quality to this. There is a little bit of of oak of oak influence, but it's not overtly there. So because of all these factors, I'm going to say that this is a new world wine. Possible great varieties here are Cabernet. Cabernet Sauvignon. I'm going to say Merlot. Um, we could also have this at a Syrah with some of those flavors. Possible countries on this, we're going to go to the United States. We're going to say Australia. And we're going to say Chile. Could be that pesky Malbec too. Okay, gonna take a second. I'm gonna figure this one out. All right. Um, I think this one is a new world wine. I think it is. I'm, I'm gonna say that this is a Cabernet. Uh, I'm gonna say it's from the United States, and I'm gonna say it is from California. And I'm not really gonna go any down farther than that. Because this is at the point where I start second guessing everything I know about wine and blind tasting. So oh. you'll have to come back next week to find out whether I am right or whether I am wrong. Uh, next week is going to be a beer week. So super excited there for a beer week. And dad, what type of beers are we going to do? You want to do Kolsch? Yeah, let's do, let's do Kolsch beers. So I'm going to be doing the Zipline Brewing German style Kolsch. Ooh. 
So, Dad, what are you going to be doing? I'll do the Rogue Honey Coke. All right. Sounds like it's going to be a good one. Once again, we thank you guys for being along this journey with us, and thank you for getting us over that 10,000 downloads mark. If you like what we're doing, remember to give us a like, follow, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Also, do us a favor. Go out there. Give us a rating and, and a review. Let us know why you like what we're doing. That helps us be more visible on podcast platforms when you search specific topics. Also, remember we're out there in the social media world, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok for acquired tastings on those platforms. And if you want to, feel free to send us an email, acquiredtastings at gmail.com. Well, Dad, once again, another great episode. I think so, too. We're going to be really good. We are happy to have you guys along with us. And once again, I'm Josh Mills. And I'm John Mills. And we'll see you next time. Thank you. Goodbye.